Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm gonna stick to a strategy. I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? Hi, welcome to episode 13. This conversation with Anna today is going to be about timing. And you've certainly learned by now that I don't do anything without a certain level of irony and self-deprecation. So let me give you both about this podcast episode, because here we are. I usually drop these on Tuesday mornings, and I know you're all just sitting around waiting all day Monday for tomorrow to come. But I typically record on the weekends But I decided this weekend I was just going to take the time off. But like I wasn't going to do it. And I was going to wait. And I would just do it tomorrow afternoon. So Monday afternoon. But why do you wait and do stuff on Monday? That is like rookie mistake for sure. So yeah, I've had this crazy Monday. I finally got everything done. And now it's thundering and raining. So if you do hear thunder in the background, that's because... I was a procrastinator and not because I'm saying something that requires me to be struck down. (laughs) Anyway, so I want to talk about timing today because, again, this kind of fits into a lot of things in my life. It fits into a lot of what I think we all struggle with. It certainly fits into this pandemic, fits into trying to be true and authentic in our life. It fits in a little bit to the things that I really don't like about what's going on today, especially if you are on Instagram and other things where you see a lot of that hustle and grind and, you know, leave job, start your own business, that whole thing that the the world seems to have going on. Like I'm not, that's not the kind of timing I want to talk to you about today, but it might lean in that direction. I hope that that's not what you think I'm trying to like get you to quit your job or anything, because that's really not where I'm headed. But I do think um, we need to talk about the fact that we just can't wait for the right time for things. And I think the pandemic is teaching us a lot that we just want things to go back to normal. We want things to be on our agenda. We want to expand our circle of control for it to be, you know, really truly bigger than it is. And we just can't. We spend a lot of time absorbing media and data and science and facts and all of these other things trying to decide what's best for us, for our family, for our health, for our future. There's just a lot right now. But in terms of plans, your own personal goals, your own things, maybe I've heard from a lot of people actually since I started this podcast about going to therapy. 
And I was on a call with some students the other day, and they were talking to an alumni of our program. And somebody said, you know, what's the best advice after being out for several years, looking back that you would give us? And she said, honest to goodness, right now, I would tell you one of the first things to do after you fill out your retirement paperwork is to find out if your employer offers discounts or free therapy, and I would get in there, whether you think you need it or not. And I was like, I'm so happy that we live in a world now where we can talk more openly like this about therapy. Because in my lifetime, it was something that people just did not admit to. So I thought that was fantastic advice. And it makes me happy that just organically, it is becoming more and more of a positive because I think it's important. But even now, like people said, when I've been talking to them, I was worried I wasn't going to find the right person or maybe I was just overreacting or, you know, these types of things. But I think it's fantastic. So there's a great Eckhart Tolle um, quote. And again, he's a little 90s Oprah throwback for you. It is not uncommon for people to spend their whole life waiting to start living. And I feel that deep. I think that is so true. I have this great story when Kevin and I met. Um, again, you know, we were a little older when we met. So I was um, very much in control of a lot of things. I was a manager um, manage the things, right? That was how I kind of controlled my own life and made choices. I was an adult person. So when we got married and he went back to school and then eventually I went back to school, I found <laughs> Miles Kimball. If you remember the Miles Kimball catalog, when it would come, it's for you older folks. It had a five-year planner and it was like this spiral bound and it had tabs, but it, it was a month calendar And it had enough months in there for five years. So while I was done planning the wedding, because that was, again, circle of control, planning, checklists, highlight, to-do list, completion, very affirming, I ordered that and I made an entire five-year plan for us. I made the whole, like, Kevin came home one day and I was like, look, I'm done I had like nine colors of highlighters and several gel pens because I'm that girl. I love me some back to school supplies and some organization tools. I don't really use them properly, but I love them. So he comes home. I'm like, look what I have for us. Here's uh, just the first five years. Like I'm not getting crazy or anything, but I'm like, here's when the first baby's coming. Here's when the second baby's coming. Here's when we'll move out of this house into the, and he's looking at me like, what on earth are you talking about? And he's like, you know, that's not how life works. Like, you know, by making plans, God is just laughing at you. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not saying these things are going to happen on my timeline. But I think it's really important to have a timeline. So then we have kind of these guardrails for our life. He just kind of smiled at me and went on, right? So I thought, well, he just clearly doesn't get it. And that's okay, because I got this. So I think the biggest lesson came, I don't know, maybe two years into the infertility journey. Because by the way, that blew up the first set of highlights and the first couple of colors um, that I had exhausted of my highlighters, uh, just going through miscarriages and diagnosis and infertility and different doctors and all of that. And then I was like, well, (laughs) 
perhaps I should be grateful for the journey and stop this. Like, I should just stop. And I think that, you know, there's a difference between waiting because it's necessary in your life and waiting because you're anticipating like the best timing or the perfect time for something. I think what I was trying to do was just, you know, in my mind, I felt better if we had a a plan and it wasn't my plan to make. Um, I get that now. And I'm certainly not trying to say one was the cause and one's the effect. Like, I don't believe that at all. But I do think I still do this a little bit to a certain extent. In my mind, I have timing of things or I have when this will work or that will work. Because I, I think I have like two extremes. I'm either incredibly spontaneous or incredibly planned out. And, but I live somewhere in the middle of those two things. So when I mention guardrails, that's really kind of what I was looking for when I do these things. And I think that that's pr- probably human nature. But looking back over my life, you know, as old people do, I would say that I don't believe in there being a right time for anything. And if you're waiting for a right time, then I think we've all done that. And it's really easy to convince yourself of it. But that's a symptom of something that's not you're not doing any anything good there. So when I look back at the when I met Kevin, when my son was born, when I left, you know, one job or went to another or when I went back to school or when I got a new job or when this happened or when that none of that was well timed. At the time, it felt like the wrong time because none of it happened when I wanted it to necessarily. But looking back, it was the perfect time. I mean, even meeting Kevin in Virginia, I wasn't supposed to stay there more than six months. So the last thing on my mind was meeting somebody and starting a relationship and then, you know, making that be your soulmate. It was not even on my radar. I was like, this is not the time. Let me just get in here, do my time, get through the holidays and go. So again, if I would have walked into that store that day going, I'm here to find my husband, probably wouldn't have happened or I would have forced it, end up in the wrong thing. So again, circle of control and just understanding how to embrace all of that. And about a year and a half ago, I decided I was ready for a new job and I started applying for what was available at that time. And I can tell you right now, looking back with my perfect 2020 vision hindsight, none of those jobs were perfect for me. But they were what was available and I was ready to go. So it looked pretty good at the time. But looking back now and thinking what the job I have versus the job I had back then versus all the ones that I tried to get, everything happened perfectly. It just at the time wasn't happening on my timeline. I mean, how ridiculous is it to decide I want a new job and to start looking and try and fit into what's available at the time. That is not a good plan. It's not a smart plan. And fortunately, I had enough age and wisdom under my belt that when doors started slamming and I was trying to force myself into the roles that I knew wouldn't be good, but they had to be better than where I was, right? Because grass is always greener and all those other cliches. Yeah, that I look back now and think, I see what you did there. I see why it didn't work. Shame on you. A story that Kevin and I didn't tell on our episode is that I, the house we live in now, um, we had talked briefly. And when I say briefly, maybe a seven minute conversation that we would like to downsize from the house we were living in previously, that it would be great over the next year 
to look around and look, you know, see financially what we wanted to do, see where we wanted to live, think long term a little more than where we were living. And that was maybe four or five days before fall break. We had no intention of buying a house, but Kevin left for fall break and I found a perfect house and I made an offer on it and he'd never seen it. (laughs) Um, I did call him. I did take his best friend to look at it. That was one good thing. I did call him and say, like, I know you're at the Air Force Museum (laughs) with your son, and this is not a good time, but we have to make an offer on this house in the next 12 hours if we're going to get it. And it all worked out. And when I tell you that it worked out beautifully, that to this day, people are like, you guys have the perfect house. It came at the worst time. Who buys a house when their spouse hasn't even seen it? Who buys a house when they don't need a house? Who buys a house that needs all kinds of upgrades and you're currently living in a new construction and have no time to do said upgrade? Who buys a house when they are in their doctoral program teaching an overload and their husband is coaching two sports and teaching an overload? Nobody would have said this is the perfect time. Turns out for my family, it was the best thing we could have done. We are happier. We are in a better situation financially. It's afforded us just like so much better quality of life. You can't say that about a lot of things in life. So had I not gone through that, had I had, but had we not gone through the issue with trying to get pregnant, if we had not gone through me going back to school or job changes or what all of these other things we would never have learned the value of you don't wait for the right time because that's life passing you by. For whatever reason, if you are waiting on something, that is self-doubt or whatever that is, and you feel like it's not your decision to make. It's not good. Now, I did talk a lot in the last episode when we talked about um, the power of no, and I've talked a lot on previous episodes about just trusting your gut, trusting your instincts. That is super important. And if you are thinking this is not the right time, good, then the hesitation is probably for a reason. Because I think anyone involved in this home purchase could tell you, like, I did not, I was just like, it's going to happen. Let's go do this. And come on. And the more people that saw me go through this home purchase, were like, you're so calm about this. And they said the same thing to Kevin, like, this is crazy that your wife did that. And he was like, no, it's great. It worked out. That level of calm acceptance is what you're looking for. And if you don't feel that in your gut, then yes, your timing is off. But I don't want you to put it in the not the right time drawer and close it. There's again, that's a symptom. There's something else there. So where is that doubt coming from? And figure that out too, because it's deeper than the timing. I'm reading a book um, by Mark Manson, and it's The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And he spells it out, he spells it with an asterisk. But um, so yeah, great book. And he has many, many, many quotable quotes, because he kind of writes really sarcastic and humorously, kind of like I talk. Um, So I'm having a good time with the book. But he talks about being committed to action when you feel this motivation. And the motivation comes from emotional inspiration, which again, I think we can tie back to the talking that we've had in these conversations about your gut instinct, the emotional inspiration, like wherever you are with making a decision or being hesitant about something is coming from your emotions, which again is why you feel it in your core, right? You feel it in your gut. That's where you feel your intuition. So you get an emotional inspiration. 
whatever that is, whether it's something not working right, something doesn't feel right, you have a gap, whatever that is, then you're motivated. Then you seek out the desirable action. So how these things happen, it's not until typically we have some sort of emotional, major emotional event that you get enough motivation to act. And then this all happens, according to Mark Manson in this book, on a loop. Inspiration, motivation, action. Inspiration, motivation, action. And your actions, once you're open to this and it works, then your actions actually create for you better, more clear, and more frequent emotional reactions and gives you more inspiration. So that motivates you more. That's life, right? That cycle right there is life. So you have to take advantage of your knowledge, your experience, and you have to build that mindset that, and and it also allows you to trust yourself more. So trusting yourself, that's something we've brought up in previous conversations. The more you become confident in yourself, you trust yourself, you believe in yourself, you're positive with yourself, you give yourself grace, you understand who you are and what you should be doing and where your gifts lie and where your challenges lie and all those places in between. That's when you can start really standing up straighter, believing in yourself and knowing the ways that you can go out and trust yourself, trust your gut, trust the timing, trust what is going on and accepting the uncomfortable things, accepting rejection, overcoming fear, and really acting in a time where you don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to be certain about everything. A lot of people have a lot of certainty in their life. And I think what we have to understand with the certainty, I go back to this pandemic teaching us things. Certainty actually makes you feel worse, not better. When you feel like unshakable certainty about something, then you really don't have a challenge there. You have no inspiration. You have no motivation. So the more things you feel certain about, you need to try and limit those in your life. And it's not a bad thing to have some things you're certain about. There are things in my life I'm certain about, but I lean on those and I use those as motivation to go out and to take other challenges. But we have to embrace the uncertainty which we really have to do it in 2020. It's all it's been. The not knowing and then being more comfortable not knowing things. The unknown. We have to really embrace the unknown and be comfortable in that. And you know what's so funny is I think I shared this in episode zero about getting to know me was when I was a high school teacher, I knew I had employable skills. I knew that if that job wasn't fulfilling especially for the pay cut that I took, that I could walk out of there and go get another career because I had done it. So that level of confidence gave me the perspective to just take a chance. Same thing when I left, I had done some adjuncting and worked at the college level. So when it was time for me to leave the high school and go teach at college, I knew I could always go back to high school. Or now that I had an MBA, I could walk out those front doors and go get a job in industry. So that all together gives me the confidence to get another job. And I have to tell you, starting a new job is an incredible experience. 
the walking in and being new and being fresh and applying new skills and contributing and asking questions and learning from people and challenging status quo and making suggestions and doing all of these things based on all the experience that you bring. And I do have an amazing boss who told me one day, I know you keep telling me how you do things or you know, you're, you're trying to set me up to understand how you are. But he leaned right over and he goes, this is why we hired you. Please understand that. I just need you to do what we hired you to do because you're already the most qualified person. We're glad you're here. Whew, okay, good. Because I hadn't started a lot of different jobs before, especially one that was so far out of what I've been doing before. So that level of uncertainty and fitting right in there and knowing I had a skill set was so empowering. And it's empowering because I was relying on my past experiences, my trust and belief in myself, my ability to do the job, and kind of just casting away the uncertainty of not being afraid to go out and get a new job. So when I started it and the learning curve, I embraced all that. I'm at a point in my life I can do that with my career. I don't do it well in other areas of my life where I'm less experienced. So that's where... Sometimes it's easy to put those things aside or to say, oh, I'm just so busy grinding on this career because the other stuff is is more difficult or it's different or it I don't have a good skill set there or it's uncertain or it's a lot of things. So this is where you come to balance in your life. And this is where you come to trying to show how you work in one area of your life can give you the confidence to work in another area of your life. The other thing some uncertainty will do is remove your judgment of other people and of yourselves. If you are dealing with the unknown, if you are dealing with uncertainty, or if you are in a new place and you are open to new things, you will absolutely start to shed your new biases and stereotyping and judgment and all of those frames and lenses that we look through. This is actually so healthy for us. Uncertainty is where we grow the most. So I'm going to step out and make a slight prediction here based on what I'm talking about. And this is not my wheelhouse, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. But I do believe because of how uncertain this pandemic is and what we're living through is what's caused us to be better about Black Lives Matter and a lot of other injustice in the world because we are living through what I just described. We are in these uncertain, uncomfortable times and our lenses are clear and we're starting to really look for hints about what is coming, what should we know, We are more woke. We are more aware. We are better for this. And we just have to continue to embrace it and move towards that healthy acceptance, change, and mind our circle of control. I have the Couch to 5K app on my phone, and they start you out with intermittent, just walk a little bit, jog a little bit, walk a little bit, jog. Because you know what happens once you get through the horrible, like, first couple of times when you're out of breath and you realize how out of shape you are and you want to shame yourself and all those things. When you start doing that on a regular basis, you actually start feeling better. And then when you skip a day, you feel worse. That's your motivation and your desirable action. That's how that works. So it works for your physical health. It works for your exercise. It works for your mental health. It works for your gut. It works for all of those things. Are there things that are better off waiting just not the right time, not a good fit, whatever it is. Yes, I am not telling you to force things. I'm certainly not telling you to go out and buy a house when your spouse hasn't seen it. I am not telling you, 
you know, to not plan. But I'm telling you that a lot of times it's a complete and total cop out to put things in the it's not the right time drawer. Because we don't know normal anymore. There is nothing that's going back to the way it was. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. I look at where all of this disruption is happening. I'm here to tell you, I don't ever want to give up curbside pickups and grocery delivery and all of those things. Like I've become accustomed to some of this change that I would not have made on my own, but then it was forced on me. And I was like, I could do this. This is not a bad thing. There have been really good moments of clarity, really good moments of, you know, questioning why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm not doing other things and how I approach goal setting, how I approach a lot of things has to get dissected and looked at differently simply because of COVID, which is good. But along the way, I can't think, oh, you know, I really want to do X, Y, and Z. Like if I wanted to write a book, I don't want to write a book. But if I did, I could see myself thinking, well, I've got this job, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'll wait until my son graduates high school to write a book, or I'll wait until he graduates high school before we travel, or I'll wait until he does this or this. No, no, no. Like that's not, that is not healthy. Why would I wait if I, if I really wanted to write a book? What I'm doing is self-doubt. I'm doing those things that we've talked about. I am not living in my truth. Understand that triggering your emotions has to happen when you are right there in your truth, when you already believe where you're already living with a really clear lens. And all of that comes from how you feel about yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you listen to yourself, what you think about yourself. All of those things are tied together. So I have a friend who says he's going to start charging me (laughs) every time I say the word truth, because there is a joke about how many words I repeat, but he's just like too truthy, too truthy, you know, Um, which is true, pun intended, that I do talk about being in your truth a lot. But in my Facebook group, um, conversations with Anna online community. One of the questions to get into the group is like on a scale from one to 10, how close are you to living in your truth? People are on average answering a four. Well, that's good. It's good. You know why that's good? It's because if you were a 10, I'd be listening to your podcast. If you're a two, then I would tell you, you need more in a podcast. If you're a four, a five or a six, I think you're right there with the rest of the human race in 2020. But what emotional inspiration are you waiting for? What motivation do you need to learn more about yourself, to give yourself the grace, to give yourself the kindness, to love and accept yourself, and then to go out and be present in the world? I cannot tell you how much I believe we all have a purpose and that most of us are not living it. And then unfortunately, We're not in a situation where somebody's going to sign off on our paperwork at the end and say, well, you did it. You're good to go, right? That's not how life works. You may not fulfill your purpose. You may not fulfill all of your hopes and dreams and get to all the things in your big spiral planner with all your pretty highlights. You just might not. And that to me is where we can't live outside of our circle of control outside of feeling confident enough in who we are and what we do. I hope this was a helpful conversation with you today. 
and that you got something out of this that maybe will help you not go out and take action. Remember, I'm not talking about the grind and the hustle. I'm talking about what is between you and that emotional inspiration. What's between you and the belief that you can have the motivation, take the action. There's things there. And again, these are symptomatic. And I think that the more you get to know yourself, trust yourself, do those things we've been talking about in previous conversations, you'll get closer. So thank you for listening today. Please join our Facebook group. You'll just look for conversations with Anna. It I have a page uh, which is Golden Ticket Professor, but the group is where we try and you know do some sharing and different things. And the more people we have in there, it's more fun. So you can find me on all the social media platforms, either as Golden Ticket Prof or just my name, or you can go to my website, goldenticketprof.com, and all the links are there. So have a great day.